The scripture today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, and it contains a fabulous promise, uh, one that should bring a lot of hope to all of our hearts. What then shall we say to this? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Is it Christ Jesus who died? Yes, who was raised from the dead, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May the Lord bless to our hearts and our minds this reading of his word. Gregory Jones, in one of his books, talks about uh, the British Empire at its peak in the Victorian era. They colonized much of the world. They had uh, places all over the world in which they were in charge. It was the, the British Empire there. And wherever they went, they would try to take their, their customs with them. They would took their culture there. So, of course, uh, they, you'd have high tea in the afternoon. You'd have London dry gin. And you'd have golf. Now, when the Brits went to India and they built a golf course in Calcutta, they encountered a unique problem. When they would hit the ball, a monkey could drop out of the tree, run out and grab the ball and just throw it somewhere else or run off to some other place with the ball and then drop it there. The monkeys were wreaking havoc on the game of golf. They tried everything they could think of to fix the problem. They built a fence around the golf course, which, of course, the monkeys climbed over. They went and they tried to put food at distant places to attract the monkeys other places, but they found out the monkeys preferred to see the people go berserk when they played with their little white balls. They carted the monkeys off to somewhere else, but for every monkey they carted off, another one came. So they finally decided to make a rule, a club rule. Rule was play the ball where the monkey drops it. Play the ball where the monkey drops it. This made a very interesting game because you could hit the best drive of your life 250 yards down the middle of the fairway, and the monkey could go out, grab the ball, and throw it in a sand trap. Or you could have the worst drive of your life. You could be way off in the rough, slice there, way off in the rough behind a tree, and a monkey could grab your ball and take it out and drop it right in the middle of the fairway, right in front of the green. Made a very interesting game. Play the ball where the monkey drops it. You have to say that's not a bad analogy for our life. Because life throws at us a lot of curveballs, right? A lot of things happen in your life which are not your fault, they just happen. They're random occurrences, just like a monkey coming and taking a ball. 
And our job is to learn to deal with those random occurrences in our life. Life is capricious. Life is not fair. But we make the most of it. There are good breaks and there's bad breaks. We cannot control the outcome of the game. You know how it is. Some days things just go perfect. You wake up. You climb out of bed. There's no low-lying coastal fog. For a cha- breakfast tastes delicious. The Pete's coffee is fresh. The children are unusually pleasant. Driving to work, you hit all the green lights. The traffic on the bridge is good. You have a productive and rewarding day at work. That day, the monkey dropped the ball a few inches from the cup. Then there are the other days. We remember these as well, too. Despite a packed closet, there doesn't seem to be anything to wear. You have run out of coffee. You can't find your car keys. And once you do, all the lights are red. You get to work and the computers are down. And you forgot to back up your work from yesterday. That day, the monkey tossed the ball into a sand trap. Now, obviously, there's a lot more to life than good and bad breaks, right? We have some control over our life. If you study hard in school and you get good grades, then you'll probably get into a good college. That's not a good, that's not a good break. That's just diligence. How we apply ourselves, obviously, makes a huge impact on our life. However, some breaks in life, both good and bad, are beyond our control. We were lucky, some of us were lucky enough to be born into a a loving family. Others were not. Some of us were lucky enough to be born into a rich, prosperous, free country. Other people are not. There are good and bad breaks, and, and, and then maybe if, uh, the, in, in our life, they just happen. They are there. One of the great things about my job is, and I always say I have the best job in the world, because I get to share with people the good and the bad on the journey of life. The really high moments, the beautiful, joyous moments, and the difficult and tough moments in people's life. I remember one, one day when I lived in Miami, one hospital visit. It had both. There was a couple in our church named the McDonald's, and they had been trying for years and years to have a baby. They tried everything that science provided and medicine provided for that. They were finally told, no way, it's not going to happen. And then, miraculously, in their early 40s, they had a child. They had a baby named Ryan. And I can remember walking into that room in the hospital, and seeing them there with this baby that they had yearned for for so long. And the joy in that room was palpable. I started calling them my Abraham and Sarah because they were so old to have a baby. But they were so happy, so incredibly happy. Then I took the elevator down one floor, walked down the hallway to visit my dear friend and tennis partner, Hogan Graber. Hogan was, a, was an exercise fanatic. He was a long-distance runner, great tennis player, kind of a health nut, too. Always watched his, his diet. Never smoked a day in his life. And he was dying of lung cancer in that room. The high and the low, the good break 
and the bad break. If you've never had a personal tragedy, you may be able to fully believe that God is good and that he has everything under control and that he will safeguard you and your family from harm. But whenever you experience tragedies, you realize there is a lot of randomness in the world. I was thinking uh, this week of my first week coming here to this church. My first Sunday standing here in this pulpit was September 9th, 2001. It was two days before 9-11. And I remember that week, all that week, uh, the, the service that night that we had, processing all of this all the questions that were around that event. Why New York and not San Francisco? Why United Flight 93 and not some other flight? All of the wondering about those sorts of things. Wondering, what is it? And I have come to believe that through the good and bad in life, that the main thing is to remember and to rely on the grace of God. It's God's grace which gets us through those difficult and tough times in life when we're wondering about things. I'll never forget my first experience of grace, my very first one. I was in fourth grade, and uh, at our school in Phoenix, there was a girl there named Patty Paschke. And uh, Patty was not attractive. She wasn't popular. In fact, she had bad personal hygiene. She stank. And you know how uh, boys have a game where they'll go and touch a girl and then run and say, I got girl cooties. And then they would touch another boy and pass on. Then they have to go on and pass on the girl cooties. I know maybe girls have the same game or maybe they're just nicer. But, um, but, you know, you play that kind of game. Well, our game was Patty Stink. You touch Patty and then you run and touch somebody else and say, you got Patty Paschke stink. And then they would run and touch somebody else and say, you got Patty stink. On and on and on. I remember one time, she was gone for a week. And on Friday, the teacher said, boys and girls, Patty's been gone this week because her, because her mother died. She has been helping take care of her younger brother and sister, even though she's only in fourth grade. And so when she comes back next week, I want you to be nice to her. I want you to be nice. So on Monday, on the playground at recess, I went up to Patty and said, sorry about your mom. She said, yeah. She said, at least she doesn't hurt anymore. Then she said, thanks for being nice to me. And I ran to the farthest corner of that playground and sobbed. Because I had not been nice to her. I had played the game. I had laughed. But she gave me grace. She gave me a moment of grace, which is the only thing that can restore our worth, really. A few years ago, my high school sent out a letter about a 30th reunion. And they had in the letter the names of people from my graduating class who they couldn't find. They said, do you know any of these people? Do you have an address or a phone number or an email for them? If you do, let us know. And there was the name. There it was. Patty Paschke. 
said, I know where she is. She's in my heart. She will always be in my heart. I cannot afford to forget her. A face that pointed me to the grace of God, which is the only source that can transform our unworthiness. Our faith is paradoxical. We have to hold truth in both hands because sometimes they fight with each other. So I have this image of two huge truths. I like to imagine them as two signs on God's desk. You walk down, you walk down the aisle, the, 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 the walkway there, and there's a sign, a door that says God. You open the door, you go in, God is sitting at the desk, and there are two signs on the desk. The first sign says, don't feel totally personally responsible for everything, that's my job. The other sign says, if you go around saying I have a miserable life, I'll show you what a miserable life really is. If you go around saying I have a wonderful life, I'll show you what a wonderful life really is. We have breaks in life that we cannot control, but we can control how we respond. The one thing that we can control is our response to what happens in our life. I was thinking also this week, as I remembered back about 9-11 in that first week, I remember reading something that Garrison Keillor wrote about the people who made phone calls from the Twin Towers and from the plane to their loved ones in the moments before their death. It turns out that there was a remarkable similarity in content and tone in those phone calls. He wrote, If we really want to understand the truth of this event, we should look to all the men and the women who saw that death was near and called home on their cell phones from the plane or building. Not to express anger or fear or bitterness, but simply to say, I love you. Take care of the children. Have a good life. In a moment of great clarity, at the end, they called amid smoke and confusion and panic to give us their benediction. And we should accept it. Love each other. Take care of the children. Have a good life. And give thanks to the Lord with our whole heart for his steadfast love and faithfulness.